0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sound and Worship Podcast. As promised this week, we'll be talking about the subject, Addicted to Bethel. And what I mean by that is addicted to really any NAR or unsound worship music source. So that could cover a lot of artists in today's worship music kind of catalog. So keep that in mind. I have an article that is from the website that this podcast represents, and of course that is soundandworship.com, and the title of the article is Worship Leaders Must Use the Music of False Teachers. And so the URL is soundofworship.com slash worship-leaders-must. And I'll uh, make a note to put this in the social media comments or or wherever, uh, the show notes of this podcast. And if I don't do that, let me know, someone who's paying attention, and I'll get that added in because uh, I think this article is something that would be really good for you to pass along to somebody that uh, is just hooked on Bethel. One aspect of that is because a lot of times people, you know, I mentioned this on the last podcast, your close friends sometimes don't want to hear what you have to say about Bethel. Maybe you've tried, uh, you know, maybe they've come up with a lot of the common objections that we're covering in this series. And you're just like, you know what? At this point, they're not going to listen to me, but, you know, maybe they'll take a look at this article from this, you know, person that I don't know. And I have to admit, I'm kind of like that, too. I I typically don't post a lot of kind of, um, I don't want to say provocative, but I guess opinionated stuff on my own personal social media pages. And that's just because I know that people that know me don't care. Like, uh, you know, nine times out of ten. And maybe that's just me. Maybe you experience something different. Um, I'll just say, if I were to post a lot of this content on my own personal Facebook page, like instead of writing blogs or or um, making posts through Sound of Worship, if I were to do that on my own personal page, it would be so dead. Um, I promise you that. So maybe you can share this article, share this podcast that's going to kind of go deeply into the article and make an impact. Who knows? But um, I had a chance to record, just kind of veering off topic into personal fun kind of stuff, Um, recording pretty late at night, and that is because my two-year-old is asleep and my very, very pregnant wife is asleep. So this is the very best time to do it. Uh, and some of you ladies listening may be thinking, you know, what's the difference in pregnant and very pregnant? And honestly, I have no idea. I just kind of, um, you know, associate it to how far along she is. She uh, She's about 35 weeks, and um, we have a C-section scheduled uh, a week before the full term would have been, so at about week 39, we should have a little girl on the way. So be prepared for that. If I sound tired for a few episodes after that, then you know exactly why. But let's get into this topic. Let's head over to the article. So like I said, the title of the article, Worship Leaders Must Use the Music of False Teachers. And of course, uh, I don't mean that literally. Um, I mean, that's kind of the attitude that a lot of worship leaders, pastors, and the like take on this subject. So I'll just start off by reading some of it. I may paraphrase some of it, um, may read some of it word for word, but we'll go through this article and try to kind of see what it gives us today. So starts off, some common objections I come across when someone tells me they've talked to their worship leader about using music from false teaching ministries are these. The lyrics are good. I didn't see anything off in the lyrics. And this next one, um, I had actually forgotten about this one until I came back to this article. But this is real. I've seen this. I've seen this argument. Um I believe somewhere in a comment or something, but it goes, the lyrics take on a new meaning when we sing them. And I'm just thinking, wow, I mean, I guess that's how some of these seeker-sensitive churches that are uh, just converting classic rock songs to worship music end up with stuff like, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was living on a prayer by bon jovi i mean i guess if the lyrics take on a new meaning when you sing them then well you know there's plenty of more songs to add to the worship music repertoire but uh, that's an interesting argument but anyways and you know the first two the lyrics are still good that comment and i didn't see anything off in the lyrics that is such a common thing, but we've kind of talked about that on the last episode in this worship music objection series. So if you haven't listened to the first two episodes in this series, uh, you don't necessarily have to stop right now and go do that, but I encourage you to go check those out. And I, I don't know how many episodes we'll do in the series, but hopefully quite a bit, because there are a lot of objections and a lot of different angles that come about. And so, uh, the first episode kind of lays out the purpose of why we would want to address objections about worship music. The second one, we talked about what if the lyrics are good, that common objection that people say. Uh, And today, we're talking about addicted to Bethel. And we already have some really great ideas for some other episodes, one of which is kind of how to approach leadership on, um, you know, talking to leaders about your concerns on worship music. But let's continue. The article continues and says, this truly reveals something that may be a little unexpected, referring to those questions. While the above sound like legitimate points of view, they undoubtedly show the true nature of the situation. Worship leaders feel that they cannot, under any circumstances, stay away from certain worship music. And I don't know about you, but if you've been looking into this issue for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. There are just some people that are just stuck on Bethel. I can sort of relate to that. I often talk about how, you know, I used to listen to Hillsong, Bethel, and everybody and did not think about it, didn't really care about worship music, where it came from. Um, And I don't say this to sound like... You know, I never got that low. I'm not not trying to say that when I say this, but I really, I never got to where, you know, I was just in full defense mode when uh, someone brought up a concern. And really, you know, people would bring up the Hillsong concern and stuff like that. Uh, and I'd see stuff posted on social media, but it wasn't as in-depth as I would like it to have been. And I know that's easy for me to say now, but... That's kind of how I feel about it, and that's why Sound and Worship was started. But anyways, the article continues and says, let's, let's flesh this out a little bit with a scenario. Say that you hear of your friend who is passionate about worshiping the Lord in truth. He's dedicated to sound doctrine, and he is not afraid to reveal truth with, loving, with a loving motive. This friend learns that Bethel music is rooted in very bizarre false teaching, as they are the music arm of Bethel Church. And that's speaking of the one in Redding, California. He decides to respectfully approach his worship pastor about the fact that his church, like most, is using music from Bethel very often in worship services. He cites God's word and makes sure that he is coming across respectfully. Then he gets the common reply from his worship pastor that goes something like this, quote, we carefully review the lyrics of each song we sing and we make sure there are no false teachings in the ones we use, end quote. And of course, that's a pretend quote, but you, you get what I'm saying. This is definitely a scenario that could happen uh, and may or may not be one that I've come across in real life. But, Goes on to say, without much thought, your friend might think, fair enough, but what his worship pastor actually just said is something like this, pretend quote, we truly love the music that Bethel Church in Redding, California produces. Even though there are many alternatives, we simply can't go on without their songs. Our congregation really enjoys it when we use their songs. It would probably offend people if we stop using their music. End of the, the pretend quote. Sadly, that's what is truly being communicated in the above. I read about this kind of scenario time and time again from those who reach out to Sound and Worship. I often hear that the worship pastor, or even senior pastor, basically just brush the concern off. I truly hear this often, and it leads to the root of the issue. Now, I'll say... I. You know, I won't reveal specifics, but I've definitely have encountered that where the you know, I won't reveal a lot, but the worship pastor or pastor whoever I talked to definitely just kind of brushed it off, you know, gave some of the replies from the above. Well, we look at the lyrics and we just in you know, it even when presented with a lot of evidence and citations and things like that, a lot of times pastors a lot of pastors today just don't seem to care about it and so if you have a pastor that does you should really really cherish them i know right now i can say that i do um the the worship music that is chosen is is very intentional um of which sources it comes from and what lyrics are sung what truths about god are being proclaimed so i'm super super thankful because uh, that means a lot to me nowadays, obviously. But So what the article was saying, I truly hear this often and it leads to the root of the issue. It would be one thing for a leader to make the case that what Bethel teaches isn't false, but that's impossible for a Christ-centered church to do. There's far too much coming out of Bethel that contradicts God's word. So without that case being made, what other reasons could there be to keep using their music? That's a good question, right? What other reasons could there be to keep using their music? And and that's kind of the thing. It's just these leaders are, they it, basically it's working for them in a sense. Uh, the crowd is engaged. The congregation is engaged. So uh, it's making the contemporary setting happy. So we'll just keep on doing it. That's at least how it seems, right? But to continue, it's like saying that you know there are more biblically sound sources for worship music out there, but you see a certain value in continuing to use unsound sources. That is necessarily true with the arguments given above. It's basically a, quote, we must use their music, unquote. Because that's basically what it is. Uh, you present the facts, and uh, you lay out everything that's concerning about these groups. You make the, the argument that there are many other sources that could be used, and they're like, nope, nope, we're still going to use them. We, we must do it. It's very interesting. Continuing, the truth is no one has to use music from any certain source or artist. It's always a choice. Today it seems that our churches are more concerned with creating an environment with the most popular features in current church culture, rather than the most biblical. What our leaders should be focusing on is making sure their flocks are being led with biblical truth. This includes the content that leaders are suggesting their flocks consume. Using well-known and popular evangelical-approved worship music is a strong suggestion to their flocks. It's saying... We're good with worshiping with this group's music. and that's truly is what it's saying. You have new Christians and and people um, who haven't looked into this issue, like all of our former selves, most likely. and you trust that the music that's played at your church, from your pastor, who you also trust, is sound. It's fine. I don't have to worry about it. it the less is being played it, he he's fine with this being played at his church. He's fine with his congregation worshiping with his music, so why in the world should I have a problem with it? It's a logical thing, especially if, if you're one that um, in the past didn't look into it. Or you really, if you were like me, to my shame, as long as the music sounded good, if, if it was my preference, then I was fine with it. That's just, That's the truth of it. But we need to be, you know— We need to be under the care and guidance of our elders to lead us from stuff like this so and going off of that quote talking about you know that another pretend quote but obviously the message that's coming from leaders when they say this is we're good with worshiping with this group's music and it leads to members of the flock connecting to these sources social media accounts and online presence and every now and then I'll hear someone say that that's not true, um, that they listen to Bethel but they don't check out the, the you know, the teaching from it. And I, I you know, I, I can believe that. I can believe that that's possible. But I do know, and I've heard several, several, several people online, especially say, I I love the music at Bethel, and that's what drew me in. And now I'm coming out of that. I'm confused. I don't even know what to do with worship music. And it's just great that, you know, you and I can help people avoid that whole thing altogether by just lovingly letting people know. And, you know, they may or may not listen, but we can at least kind of get it started in someone's mind because I know for me it took several, several times of hearing that there were issues in worship music. I didn't believe it on the first try, and I probably would have done a an eye roll or something if I heard that on a podcast. Like, oh, goodness, here they, here they go talking about worship music again. But now we're different, right? It goes on. Instead, leaders could be focusing on worship music coming out of ministries who are sound, ministries that you wouldn't be ashamed to send someone to, pretend quote, yes, go and learn from this ministry as well, in pretend quote. That's what we should be shooting for. And that really is, I mean, it, getting that kind of indirect approval from your pastor when worship music is played, or even your worship pastor at the very least when worship music is used in the church Having that kind of unofficial approval really means a lot to the congregation and just think about if if we're pointing people if you know our pastors and our worship leaders are pointing people to sources that also preach sound biblical doctrine I mean that has the complete opposite effect of something that Bethel would and what we have to what people have to realize is that there are options out there we can't pretend like especially in this day and age when there's so much music out there and there are many many great solid worship artists out there we can't pretend like bethel and hillsong is just all we have you know it's not like we're stuck on some island somewhere um with These new age modern hymnals that only have Hillsong and Bethel or something like that. It's just not the case. We have options. So that's just a point that will never, never, ever get old. But the article continues until something changes in the popular evangelical world. This problem won't go away. We can act like it's no big deal, but it really is. Until churches stop shooting for popularity in numbers, these movements will continue to grow with their aid. Churches are even being built around these movements. Brothers and sisters, of whom you know weren't even aware of these teachings of these movements five years ago, are now yearning for the new thing. And that is so, so true. I don't know about you, but... Maybe you have some friends or family that you know. You look back five, ten years ago, and they were not into any of this stuff. They were fine with singing hymns or, or whatever. Um, not to say we should only sing hymns, but they're pretty safe, honestly. Um, and you know there are issues with some of them. I get it, but they're pretty safe in comparison. But you look back and you're like, what? What happened? Like. 10 years ago you were you you didn't care about any kind of thing that Bethel was teaching like you you wouldn't have said anything that Bethel's talking about nowadays but now you're like all about it you're a mother to the nations and stuff like that and um it, it, like in in that NAR kind of sense, and and you're searching for your breakthrough, and that breakthrough is going to come through, and uh, you you should only prosper, you should you should only have health and wealth, and and God doesn't allow for a theology that um, that contains sickness or whatever. You guys weren't doing that ten years ago. It, that's the thought that goes through my head. Again, I have an imperfect past, for sure, for sure. But it's just like, what changed, you know? What changed? And if we can lovingly point that out to others, and that takes patience. It takes um, being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It takes that because it's so easy to just get irritated and passionate about it. Uh, I have to keep myself in check a lot on it. Continuing on. It's where everyone else is going. So they're fine with following along. Pastor, worship pastor, and worship team member, are you willing to take a stand on the truth over the demands of evangelical popularity? Who will lead them if you won't? Maybe you're like many who just didn't know about this. Take heart that you can make an impact on your flock. You can lead them with the truth and glorify our Lord. It may not be the love they want, but it's definitely the love they need. Stand firm, leaders, whatever you do. Do it with loving motives to the glory of our Lord, your flock will thank you later. I just think that's is it's so true. We have to do everything we do with loving motives to the glory of God. Uh, as soon as we make it about us and how wise we look and and all that, then we have completely missed it as soon as we forget where we've come from, where God has brought us in sanctification. We have completely missed it. We're we're off, and we need to repent. I know from experience. But that is that article on soundandworship.com. dot com. Again, the URL to it is soundandworship.com dot com slash worship dash leaders dash must. You can find it uh, again. I'll put it in the show notes and. And all that. Um, But you can find it too if you just go to Sound of Worship, hit the little menu option in the top right, and then go to exclusive content and then blog. And it's one of the first five articles, maybe like the third or fourth one on there. So go and check that out. I also want to put in kind of a plug um, for another podcast that I'm on quite a bit nowadays. And that is the Bomb and Gilead podcast with my friends Brian and Grant uh, over there. We just uh, yesterday, let's see, was it yesterday? Saturday. It doesn't matter because what, whatever day you're listening to this on, everything that I just said is relevant. But we recently recorded an outstanding interview, and I say outstanding because. The guy that we talked to was just so great to talk to, so gracious, and just so insightful, and uh, it was just a great, great, great experience. But we talked to Philip Moyer from My Soul Among Lions, and that is a great worship band that is restoring the Psalms, basically, in, in a sense, uh, basically, basically going through the Psalms and writing music to them and And really, just sticking to the true messages of the psalms, um, not cherry picking, and we kind of talked about how you know they're not taking just the the really nice psalms and and making music to that. Not that that's a bad thing, but they're they're not re- removing things from the psalms to make them uh, you know politically correct or anything like that. Uh, if you're familiar with the the band, you may know the song "The Nation's Rage," and I'll play a clip of that right here. Did you hear how candid and how awesome that music is? It, it's really taking the, the message from the psalm, turning it into a song. Uh, we learned that the guys are classically trained, which was really interesting, and you can definitely hear that come out in their music. The lead singer has a really southern kind of voice, which I like. Uh, we had an episode of, of the, one of their songs in the past, if you want to scroll back and look for, um, the episode called Forsaken Me. That'll give you a kind of preview into their work, but check that interview out. It's pretty lengthy, which if you're like me, that's kind of a good thing because I I tend to have a lot of time, especially when working to throw on a podcast and listen to it, but we go through a lot of their, uh, the process that My Soul Among Lines has went through, and we uh, play a lot of audio clips from their music, we got permission to do that from Philip, which was very, very kind. Uh, We played a lot of clips and talked about, you know, how those songs came about and, you know, what kind of parts of it kind of sound almost like a, a classical kind of... It's not classical music. Don't get me wrong there. But there's that aspect in a lot of the music and just... Where, what direction they're headed in, how they became a band. And it's just super, super interesting. So go check that episode out. It's probably, if you're listening to this episode, uh, it's probably the most recent Obama Gilead episode that came out. So definitely go and check that out. And that is all I have for you guys today. I will, um, I'm looking for the next um, topic to do. I might do the one that came from a, a great Facebook comment that uh, was talking about you know, how worship leaders respond when we talk to them about worship music concerns um, and kind of how to address those, those situations. So that may very well be what direction I go on this next episode. Thank you all so much. Uh, thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends, family. Again, share that article. It might be just a way to to indirectly provide someone with a resource that they can look at objectively, read it really pretty quickly. It doesn't take long to get through that when you're reading it alone, and maybe they'll find something you know worthwhile in it. So send that along, and thank you so much for all the support that you give Sound and Worship. May God be glorified for it, and you guys have a great rest of your week. See ya.